If you have your Bibles, turn with us to the book of Mark, we're in chapter 5. Today we're going to look in the first 20 verses of this chapter. Uh, that doesn't mean I'll be before you for an hour, uh, but we're going to look in these 20 verses. Uh, this short narrative, um, and we're going to think for a few moments on Jesus and unclean spirits. Jesus and unclean spirits. Chapter 5, the Gospel of Mark, verses 1 through 20. Once upon a time, (laughs) uh, doctors would test those who were considered insane um, by putting a patient who was mentally disturbed in a room with a sink in it. In this room, the faucet of the sink would be turned on. The stopper would be placed in the drain. And once the sink began to overflow, the patient was handed a mop and left to himself in the room. If the patient had enough sense to shut off the water, pull the plug, and then mop up the water, he'd be able to go home. He'd be considered sane. There's a lot of people that would do that that's not, in, that's not sane. <laughs> but this is once upon a time. However, if the patient began to mop like crazy, without switching the faucet off or pulling the drain, then they would be considered insane and they would be detained in this asylum longer. Truth of the matter is, there are people in this world who are mopping like crazy and they're not in mental institutions. There's people who we would consider sane, but they're plagued by their own demons. They are challenged by things that are going on in their lives and they can't get a grip. In other words, they can't stop the flooding in their lives. And we see that today in this text. We see a man who just couldn't seem to stop the flooding in his life. The Bible tells us in chapter 5, verses 1 through 20, they came to the other side of the sea, to the region of the Gerasenes. And I'm I'm reading out of the, the Christian Standard Bible. He said, as soon as he got out of the boat, a man with an unclean spirit came out of the tombs and met him. He lived in the tombs and no one was able to restrain him anymore. Not even with the chain because he often had been bound by shackles and chains but had torn the chains apart and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and on the mountains he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and knelt before him. 
And he cried out with a loud voice, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? I beg you before God, don't torment me. For he had told him, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. What is your name? He asked him. My name is Legion. He answered him, because we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the region. A large herd of pigs were there feeding on the hillside. The demons begged him, send us into the pigs so that we may enter them. So he gave them permission. And the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs. And the herd of about 2,000 rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned there. The men who tended them ran off and reported it in the town to the and the countryside. And people went to see what had happened. They came to Jesus and saw the man had been, who had been demon-possessed sitting there dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs. Then they began to beg him, being Jesus, to leave their region. And he was getting into the boat and the man who had been demon possessed begged him earnestly that he might remain with him. And Jesus did not let him, but told him, go home to your own people and report to them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So he went out and began to proclaim in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and they were all amazed. This is God's holy word. God, we thank you for what you have done for us. Help us, God, to always proclaim what you have done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. For God, you've given us a a living hope, one God that will carry us from this life into eternal life. It was through your son, Jesus Christ, that that we are able to be saved from the penalty of our sin. God, we are able to be saved from the power of sin. And God, we are, we are able to be saved from the presence of sin. Thank you, God, for allowing us the opportunity to know you through Jesus so that we can spend eternity with you. Now, God, we pray for those who may be here who don't know you through your son, Jesus Christ, that you would speak to them and minister to them throughout this message. And God, as you do, we pray that they would cry out, what must I do to be saved? God, we're looking to you and we're trusting you in all things. In Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. In last week's text, we we were able to see Jesus and his authority over nature. The disciples and Jesus had boarded boats to sail to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. What they were not expecting was a hurricane-like winds rising up upon the sea and causing a great disturbance in the water. The disturbance was so great that the seasoned fishermen began to panic. What seemed obvious it was the fact that Jesus trusted the skill 
of these seasoned fishermen. After all, Jesus was in the stern of the boat asleep while they were out on the sea. But what also is obvious is that these seasoned fishermen, men who understood the Sea of Galilee, had no confidence in Jesus' presence while Jesus was asleep on the boat. They cried out to Jesus in a panic, afraid of what would, that they were going to perish. But Jesus spoke to the wind. Peace be still, he said. And the Bible says that the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Can't you imagine the conversation? <laughs> Just among the disciples. I imagine once they touched land... And here in the region of Gerasene that those in the little boats that Jesus wasn't in began asking those in the boat that Jesus was in what just took place. Oh, y'all didn't know there were multiple boats. Just go back through, go back through last week's text and you'll find there were multiple boats. It wasn't just one, but there were multiple boats on the sea experiencing all the ravaging waves. Yeah, <laughs> the Bible tells us. I, I just imagine that that as they're talking about this, they're wondering, what was that? The Bible says they were terrified. King James, or the new King James, actually says that they feared exceedingly. I imagine the conversation could have went something like this. Who is this man? We've seen him do a, a lot of things that we can't explain, but, but the wind and the sea obeyed him. But this, this is just literally unbelievable. How can we expect anyone to believe this when if I hadn't have seen it for myself, I wouldn't believe it either. Have you ever been there to where you saw something take place? And had you not have seen it, you would not have believed it, no matter who came and told you. Uh, I imagine this is where these guys are at. I wonder, I wonder, have we ever really been where these men are at? Maybe you weren't in a boat on the sea, but maybe you were rushing to the hospital with a child or a parent. Maybe, just maybe. You got news of the company you work for was, was shutting down or downsizing. Or maybe your husband, your wife, your son, your daughter, your sister or brother was just arrested. And no one would tell you anything. Or maybe you just got news of a terminal illness from someone that you love. I'm aware these circumstances, they'll drive anybody to panic. But I want to also remind us, for those of us who know without a doubt that we have a Savior and his name is Jesus, that he can speak to our circumstances and he can give us a peace that surpasses all understanding. If we'll place our faith in him, we do not have to despair. If we'll call upon him, we can know that he is a present help in our time of trouble. And when Jesus is on board, no matter where we're at, when he resides with us through the power of his Holy Spirit, we can know that no matter what comes our way, 
we already have victory. I, I don't know where you're at today, but that's what I'm trusting. I'm trusting right now I already have victory. No matter what is coming, I've already won. It doesn't matter who comes against me. It doesn't matter what disease comes my way. It doesn't matter if it's an accident uh, uh, later on to, uh, this week. All that I know is I already have victory. Listen, church, if you know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, we're not living to have victory. We're living out of our victory we already have victory and we can trust our lord and savior here here's where these disciples were and here they're trying to process what had took place this miracle that they had witnessed when as soon as jesus steps out of the boat a man with an unclean spirit comes running out of the tombs and confronts Jesus. The tombs, the, the tombs were considered unclean places. Why? Because you go into the tombs and you often would find bones of dead men in the tombs. Tombs were burial places. They were places for the dead, not the living. Tombs were either natural caves or they were huge rocks that had been carved out and hollowed. But but these were these caves were good for keeping you out of the weather. They were good for keeping you from the elements of nature whenever you didn't have a home to go to. But what we find as this man leaves the tombs is that damage can be done in our lives by evil spirits. There are people in this world who are foolish because they're playing games with the spiritual world. There are people who want to just play games and think that this stuff isn't real but the spiritual world, these unclean spirits will do damage in our lives. You know what one of the popular questions is? Can, can a, a person who's been born again, truly born again, be possessed by Satan? No. Darkness and light does not dwell together. But you can be used by Satan. And it will damage our lives. Here, this man, the Bible tells us he was damaged. He was possessed. This man, he was so damaged that, that this un, with this unclean spirit, what it means is that he had a spiritual power that dwelt within him. It was an outside power that possessed and controlled him. And when any power other than the Holy Spirit is controlling someone, all it's doing is damage. If, if we're not controlled by the Spirit of God, then we're controlled by the works of the flesh. And there's no in-between. We're either controlled by the Spirit of God or the works of the flesh. Galatians describes the works of the flesh as this, the works of sexual immorality, moral impurity, promiscu prom promiscuity, Idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambitions, dissensions, factions, Ooh, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. Those are the works of the flesh. 
And Paul, the apostle Paul, when he shares what these things are, he goes on to say, those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Folks, we have an enemy. And this enemy is a thief. The Bible describes him that way. He's trying to steal our lives from us. His objective is to steal, kill, and to destroy. And this man, he was destroying his life. This man wasn't just damaged physically. Oh, man, we can see it. And let's, let's, let's look at how he's damaged physically. He had been cast away from his home. So now he's living in tombs. He tells us, this tells us so much about the damage done to this man. He's living among the dead, so he's cast out of society. This man was damaged because he was violent and out of control. The, the Bible says that he could not be restrained. Even chains and shackles could no longer keep him under control. This man was a threat to himself. The Bible tells us that, that he, uh, Mark's testimony here is that he would cut himself with a stone. This man was damaged. But this wasn't, he wasn't just physically damaged. He was spiritually damaged. It appears in here he's tormented. The man appears to see Jesus and he's overcome with fear. Why? You know, we have to ask that question. He sees Jesus from afar and he's overcome with fear. He has no idea who Jesus is. Jesus hasn't been in this region. So why would he be so tormented? The Bible says he saw Jesus from a distance. He ran and worshipped him. This man had been living among the dead. And now he's crying out, what do you have to do with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? He's been living among the dead. And now he's crying out, what do you have to do with me, Jesus? And he acknowledges he's the son of the most high God. And then he proceeds to beg for mercy. Begging not to be tormented. My question is how? How could this man know that Jesus is the son of God? This is why it's dangerous to fool with the spiritual world. Because in James 2 and 19 it says you believe that God is one good even the demons believe and they shudder yes the evil spirits not only know who jesus is but they know what he's about first john 3 and 8 says the son of god has revealed was revealed for this purpose to destroy the devil's work hebrews 2 14 through 15 tells us that jesus came to destroy the one who has the power over death and, and to free us who are enslaved by the fear of death so I, I don't want us to miss what this evil spirit, that this evil spirit, that this man is trembling before Jesus with. This spirit knew when he saw Jesus from a distance. The man didn't know, but the spirit within the man, the spirit controlling the man, he knew that Jesus was coming to free this man of this spirit. He was coming to destroy the evil that had possessed this man. I, I, I want to take just a moment to remind us today that there is an evil presence that is set out to destroy us. And this presence doesn't care 
that we want nothing to do with him. It doesn't care that we read our Bible. It doesn't care that we go to church each week. It doesn't care about us. It only cares about discrediting God. So he comes at us. Why? Because we are the creation that God adores the most. So he comes at what God loves the most. You want to get at somebody? Attack what they love the most. And if you attack what they love the most, you're going to see a fight that you never thought would ever come. And that's exactly what Satan's doing. He's coming at us to get to God. He don't care about us. So he wants to just damage our lives. He seeks to invade our lives by appealing to senses. By appealing to our senses, we become led away by the lust of our eyes and the lust of our flesh and our pride that resides within us. This has destroyed many relationships, whether it's through sexual immorality or illicit drug use or unethical behavior or or just seeing a chance to get ahead. Often we get a little glance and then that little glance leads to a little flirting and a little flirting leads to taking a chance and taking a chance leads to you being somewhere you never thought you would end up being. We find that we're hooked and powerless to stop it. And we're stripped of everything, our character, our integrity, stripped of friends and family Stripped of opportunities to be blessed and to be a blessing. He strips us of our sense of belonging. All because we began to focus on preference rather than the person of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And we then find ourselves chained and enslaved to the power of an evil force too big for us to control on our own. That's exactly where this man was. But you know, there's good news. (laughs) There's good news. And the good news is when all hope seems lost, we can always find deliverance in an extraordinary Savior. Jesus commanded, come out of the man, you unclean spirit. He speaks directly to the spirit, not the man, but the spirit. He's displaying his power over evil that had possessed this man. When asking the name of the unclean spirit, Jesus was revealing just how desperate this man really was. The name legion refers to a Roman military legion. It's it's a powerful group that consisted of over 6,000 men. This man was controlled by a force that no ordinary man could match. But Jesus was no ordinary man. He was, he is, and he forever will be the son of God. And this legion is no match for our savior. This evil spirit subjected himself to Jesus and he released the man. However... This spirit wasn't satisfied to be released from this man. This spirit wanted to possess something. He was looking for another vessel. He was looking for someone else. Listen, folks, I, this is, I'm telling you, we, we don't play around with the spiritual world. 
You get around stuff that you don't understand, you better leave it alone. You better flee from it and you better call out to Jesus because he's the only one that has power over it because it can leave one place and come into you. Realizing that Jesus would not send this evil spirit into another human being, he begged him, just send us into this herd of pigs. This is an indication that evil... It desires to be an influence. This evil didn't want to just leave its region. It wanted to stay right here in this region, but it wanted to possess whatever it could. It didn't matter what it could possess, just something to possess. That's what you are. That's what I am. That's what every human being is to this enemy we have. It's just something to possess. The fact that once the evil spirit <coughs> entered this herd of swine they rushed to their death this lets us know just how violent this evil spirit actually was a herd of swine rushing to its death because it's now possessed by this legion of unclean spirits but this man he was delivered from the evil. Now we would think, we would think now that he's been delivered from this evil presence, everyone who witnessed this, everyone who had an understanding of what's took place is now going to want to get to know Jesus, right? You, you, you know that feeling, you get saved and you go and you tell somebody about the goodness of God and you think everybody wants to hear what you have to say, but there's some that turns a deaf ear toy. They don't want to hear nothing from you. Well, this is what was taking place here also. Here there were men who saw what it took place because those, those swine wasn't on the hillside all by themselves. There were people who were tending them. There were people who were watching over them for the owners. You know, the owners weren't going to be out on a hillside. So they had hired men to watch over them. And they were afraid when they saw what took place. They were fearful. But they weren't fearful of the Lord. What they were fearful of was being held responsible for all of these pigs dying. So they went running into town to tell the owners what took place. So these employers would not blame them for all of that pork that's no good anymore. <laughs> Well, I don't know about y'all, but now if Iola fixes pork just right, and usually she does when she fixes it. Yeah, she cooks. Uh, <laughs> when she fixes it right, I can eat on it for days. <laughs> I can eat on it for days. And here you're talking about all this herd of swine. It's no good anymore. It'll make a pork lover mad. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> here... <laughs> The owners came back to investigate what had happened and they saw that this demon-possessed man didn't look like the man they knew. He looked different. He was no longer the same. Now he's clothed. He's not running around naked in the tombs. He's, he's clothed and he's sitting down and he's in his right mind. 
I want to remind us that when we have a real, a genuine encounter with Christ and we surrender our lives to him, we'll truly come to our senses. We begin to see things a lot clearer. We begin to speak a lot different. We begin to hear things like we've never heard before. We begin to live our lives out as we've never lived before. So let me say it this way. If we, we are in trouble, if we have not been changed, if our life is the same as it was before I met Jesus, then something is wrong with my salvation and what's wrong is there is no salvation if we are the same as we used to be we we're not in a backslidden condition we've just never been saved second corinthians 5 and 17 says therefore if anyone is in christ he is a new creation and the old has passed away and see the new has come this man was different than what the people knew of him. He had an encounter with Jesus and that made all the difference in the world. But the owners, they still weren't willing to swallow what it took place. They weren't willing to, to just forget about the money and focus on the change in this man. Instead, they begged Jesus to leave. I imagine as they were getting the full story and they recognized that Jesus had all this power, they weren't going to confront him and challenge him, so they just wanted him gone. They just wanted him out of their way. They didn't want him to get in their, po- get in their pocketbooks anymore. All they wanted him was just to leave them alone. It's often that people see the work Jesus is doing in others' lives. It's often that we see his blessings. It's often that we see lives are being changed. It's often we see families being restored. It's often that the people we never would have thought of have surrendered their lives to the Lord and his service. But still many are rejecting Jesus. The fear of losing control of your own life is causing many to walk away from what God's calling you to do. The fear of losing the possessions that this world (coughs) has to offer, the fear of not knowing how things will end up is causing many to reject Jesus and the life that he wants them to live. He desires to give us Life and life more abundant. He desires to fill us with love and peace and joy and hope. He desires to enter into an eternal fellowship with him. He desires to bless us beyond what we could ever imagine. 1 Corinthians 2 and 9 says, What no eye has seen nor ear has heard, And no human heart is conceived. God has prepared these things for those who love him. Can I say it the way we would understand it? The way we remember it? Eyes have not seen, ears have not heard. Neither has it entered into the hearts of man. What God has prepared for those who love him. Oh, right now, my question is, What are you going to do with this Jesus? 
This man came running to Jesus, crying out, what do you have to do with me? What Jesus had to do was to change his life. No longer would he have to live among the dead, but he could live and dwell among the living. What are you going to do with Jesus as he wants you to live among the living? You see, I, I, I know about me and those in here who have been truly born again, we all know we're never going to die. We're going to live among the living for all eternity. I'm just going to transfer from this world into his world. And when I enter into his world, it won't be through death. It'll be through the presence of God. Death has passed by. I don't worry over dying anymore. I, I lost that worry a long time ago. Death is my friend. Because it's going to put me in the place where I belong. I'm a stranger in this place. Whether you recognize it or not, you are too. This is not your home. And Jesus is wanting you to have an abundant life among the living. So, what are you going to do with this man Jesus as he desires to give you eternal life? Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we pray right now that you would move and minister according to your will and according to your riches and glory. God, we know that you're able to do what no man can do. You're able to reveal what no man can reveal. So right now in this moment, speak to every heart that's here today. For those who love you and who's, who knows you through your son, Jesus Christ, God, encourage them that you're with them no matter the circumstance. For those who don't know you, show them, God, your love for them. Help them to see their need for Savior. Give them faith and strength to call out and say, what must I do to be saved today? Oh God, as you minister right now, we're going to trust you with what takes place. So God, we thank you for what you're doing. We thank you for what you're going to do. Right now, if maybe there's somebody as every head's bowed and every eye's closed that's ready to step out in faith. Maybe you're ready right now to humble yourselves and, get, and surrender your life to Jesus. He will free you from whatever is enslaving you. He will give you assurance that he will hold you up with his righteous right hand. What are you going to do with Jesus? Jesus.